Price was important, but atmosphere was going to win. And yeah. that ripping all the heavy free weights out, Olympic benches, and and everybody wanted cardio. Everybody that was coming in, it was the first time they wanted a little bit of circuit training, and then wanted to get on treadmills and bikes and stuff. And we had to make room for them. So then we started really streamlining the model, get rid of the daycare and the juice bars and the, and the aerobic classes, and just made room for cardio. Season cardio, you know. Yeah. And back in those days, you probably remember. I mean, if a club had. 20 pieces of cardio that was a lot yeah you know oh yeah our clubs now have 120 or 140 pieces of cardio in our stores you know yeah. so really figured that model out and and that's when it really started taking off and we opened our third club in 98 and that's when we um that's when the logo was invented the new the thumb logo the judgment free zone was born mission statement our purple and yellow was born in 98 that club opened with over 2,000 members on the first day that's how success happens. From Entrepreneur Magazine, my name is Robert Tuckman. I self-funded, built up, and eventually sold two businesses to major players in the sports and entertainment industry. And I am fascinated by other entrepreneurial minds and what drives high-achieving people. So on this podcast, we're going to learn what they've learned and what it takes to really succeed. Today, Chris Rondeau is the CEO and partner of Planet Fitness one of the largest fitness franchises in the world, built on instilling a judgment-free zone environment. Chris started at the company in 1992, and I love his story because he started at the front desk in the company's first location. He worked his way up to the top of the ladder, eventually becoming chief operating officer, partner, and now CEO. As a gym rat myself, I was fascinated by how Chris and Planet Fitness changed the fitness space and made the gym experience more affordable and accessible to the masses. Under his leadership, Chris took the company public, doubled the number of Planet Fitness locations to 2,200, and grew the number of members to a staggering 16.2 million people. They are expanding across the globe, bringing fitness to the world at a much-needed time. More from our guest, but first, a word from our sponsors. And now a word from our sponsor, Keeper Security. Keeper is the top-rated cybersecurity platform for protecting organizations of all sizes from the most common password-related data breaches and cyber attacks. Do you know 81% of data breaches are caused by weak password security? Keeper is more than a password manager. It's a scalable and customizable security platform that includes industry-leading features such as automated user provisioning, role-based enforcement policies, SSO, SAML integration, advanced reporting compliance, breach watch dark web monitoring, and more. Visit getkeeper.com today to start a free 14-day trial. On this episode of How Success Happens, I sat down with Chris to discuss his start at Planet Fitness and transforming one gym into an entire fitness franchise. I started first by asking him about his biggest influences growing up. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'd say my dad for sure. He was, uh, he was a high school dropout, <laughs> went to college and, and uh, ended up owning a um, pharmacy, believe it or not. And he got to 14 at one point and I used to see him get up early for work and you know, he had uh, six kids <laughs> and, you know, I had to put food on the table and, and had to do that, you know. So I was the second to youngest. So I saw my older siblings and, you know, I was growing up. So definitely him, you know, and I, I always loved to work, you know, and, and my parents ended up separating many years later. And I always liked to work and saw his success and, and wanted to live in his footsteps. And 
you know, a funny story. One time he picked me up once and his Mercedes, he had like a, uh, maybe a 560 SL and he had <laughs> on his headlights. Remember those? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want winter weapons on my headlights one day. <laughs> that was great. And then, you know, I always wanted to work and I, um, I mean, stupid things like, you know, I used to have lemonade stands like every kid did. And, and, uh, and I was like, I don't even, I don't even like lemonade, tell you the truth. And I turned into a, a Coca-Cola cookie stand and I sold a hell of a lot more. <laughs> and then, uh, collected cans with, uh, made a wagon hitch from my bicycle and told my wagon around the city looking for cans to, for deposit. And I always kind of got into that. I started working at 14 as a busboy dishwasher and never stopped. It's kind of my yeah. thing. You always had that work ethic. And and obviously I had a similar situation growing up, seeing my dad just get up every day, even when he was sick, like it didn't matter. And that unfortunately, I'm sure like you, like it's ingrained, like, and obviously from what you've done and becoming CEO of Planet Fitness for a long time now. It's really incredible, your story. I want to get into it, but it sounds like your dad really instilled that work ethic in you at a young age. Yeah, absolutely. He always said, you know, anything you can do anything you set your mind to and kind of live by that. And uh, that's what I did. You know, I said, worked for the, you know, did a restaurant thing, doing a busboy, and then started working for my dad eventually in high school. And got out of high school, I went to uh, University of New Hampshire. And then uh, then I got a job at the at the first gym that I worked out at there, which was, you know, Planet Fitness. And I was a, I was a member first for the first year. And then, um, but, you know, naturally, if you like to work out, what's the best thing to do is work at a gym, right? <laughs> so I, I did the same, you know, funny, coming out of college, and I went to Boston University, I used to work out at the uh, Gold's Gym on Lansdowne Street, but coming out of college, I love, yeah, right, right, I don't even know if it's still there. I remember Marky Mark used to, Mark Wahlberg, right, used to work out there. It was like the big thing, but what was interesting was I always loved fitness and I got a job, ended up getting a job at New York Sports Club as my, my, my my first job as like the guy, you know, I wasn't a trainer, but I was cleaning up. But for you, tell me what that was like, because you obviously you're working out there you enjoy fitness, and then you decide to take a job. Yeah, so, so I was working for my dad at, at that time at the pharmacy, just ringing the register. And so you can imagine when I told him I was going to oh God, business and go work at a gym. And back then, if no one made money in gyms, are you crazy? So he laughed at me and said, okay, good luck. And that's what I did. And, <laughs> and, uh, and I was working at the gym, and you know, I loved it. You know, I loved being around people. It was a fun job, and you know, you listen to good music, and people come in trying to make them make, make themselves better. You know, so it was just a great atmosphere. I mean, how would you not want to work every day? You know, I just loved it. Just really did love it. We had one store at the time that was back in '93 when I started working there. It had been opened a year, and and it's funny because the, the my two my two partners, but they were the two founders originally. They he offered me six dollars and forty cents an hour to work it there because it was forty cents more than my dad was paying me. That was kind of supposedly the deciding factor, but it really wasn't. I wonder if they probably could have paid me less, and I would have still done it. But <laughs> that's what you—that's what you had to tell your dad. But I can see forty yeah, cents. I could see. I mean, I'm I'm the same way. I, I've always been a gym rat, and in terms of like being there, like you said, that community, that atmosphere. It was always somewhere where I wanted to be, but you were there, you're working. It's amazing because you have, I think, over 2,300 Planet Fitnesses today. When you think about that, just at this point from where you started as a member, 640 an hour, like, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's, uh, 
yeah, it's the American dream is really what it is at the end of the day. And it's, you know, I'm still so close to it, you know, Robert, that I, it's hard for me to really have to step back. And you know, I think maybe one day when I'm sitting on a beach drinking a margarita, I'll sit back and say, wow, that really just happened, you know? <laughs> and, and this is, uh, you know, we've been open 30 years. This is my 29th year, 16 and a half million members. I was member number 364. So I remember like yesterday. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it, it, but you know, the early days we were a typical gym, kind of like the Google gym you just mentioned. We had the heavy weights and the juice bars and heavy protein drinks and daycare and jacuzzis and saunas and like a typical multi-service club. And we didn't, you know, we were struggling. You know, with thirty-five dollars a month back then in, in the early '90s, and in a little bit of desperation, we had to figure out how to get more people off the couch because you know, our first club was in Dover, New Hampshire. Our second club was in Rochester, New Hampshire. These are small towns. I mean, these are towns. Even today, they're thirty thousand people. They haven't grown. They just don't, you know, you're in New Hampshire. Everybody's going south. And uh, you know, a little bit of desperation was like, well, maybe it's price, you know? And so we dropped the price 10 bucks a month inside of a lot of volume. So a lot of people coming in that had never worked out before. Like they'd never would have walked through the old model. They just never would have walked through and paid $35 a month for something they'd never done or tried. But the problem is, and I always use the same saying, but it was like, you know, we had all the bodybuilders and powerlifters in there and more of them coming in from the competition because it was cheap. And we had newbies coming in and, you know, I was like putting all the, going to the zoo and all the animals in the same cage. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work. It's just not, you know? And it's a little bit like, I hate to say it, but it's a little bit like the drunk guy at the bar. One guy can root for everybody up, you know? Yeah, when, yeah, it's true though. You know, you, you yeah. working out at gyms for my, you know, you have the guy screaming or yelling yeah. and it's a different feeling than, you know, someone else who's there to get their workout in, relax, maybe do cardio. I'm sure that. Before, right? Imagine if somebody's, you know, 40, 50 pounds overweight, doesn't even know how to do a curl correctly or yeah. a machine. And you got these people in here that monopolizing equipment or showboating. And we really figured out, you know, price was important, but atmosphere was going to win. And yeah. it's not ripping all the heavy free weights out with the benches and, and everybody wanted cardio. Everybody that was coming in, it was the first time they wanted a little bit of circuit training and then wanted to get on treadmills and bikes and stuff. And we had to make room for them. So then we started really streamlining the model, get rid of the daycare and the juice bars and the, and the aerobic classes and just made room for cardio, Caesar cardio, you know? Yeah. And back in those days, you probably remember, I mean, if a club had 20 pieces of cardio, that was a lot. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. our clubs now have 120 or 140 pieces of cardio in our stores, you know? Yeah. So really figured that model out. And, and that's when it really started taking off. And we opened our third club in 98. That's when the logo was invented, the new, the thumb logo, the judgment-free zone was born. Mission statement, our purple and yellow was born in 98. That club opened with over 2,000 members on the first day. Wow. And it was just like the movie Founder, right? When when Ray Kroc drives out to San Bernardino and sees that lion out to the street, yeah. same thing. People lying down out the door for months trying to join. They just never seen a club 10 bucks a month that came to first timers. And then it was that point that I that I ended up dropping out of college and then just made, I said, I was going to go for it. This is, we're onto something. And, and I just dropped out of college and just worked my butt off, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd say that that was a good move, but let me ask you in terms of your start there, not many people start as members, start at the front desk and end up being the CEO one day. What was it inside of you? Do you think that enabled you to really grow and these two founders to trust you and, and make you the third partner. What was it that they saw in you? I was, you know, I was really the operations guy. Right? I was always the one in the in the stores and making sure that the you know, people got their hellos and goodbyes and the place was clean. And and you can imagine at ten bucks a month. I mean, we do volume, right? We do a volume of signups and a volume of 
workouts and everything in between. And, you know, how do you keep the wheels in the bus and, and make sure the members' experience is always on point? And Michael, he was really the CEO and kind of the visionary the marketing guy. And then Mark, Mark Rondo's brother, he was the, the CFO. He was, um, he was school of finance. And so, you know, they were more in the back office and I was really in the stores. And, you know, it lets you really understand the customer first, first and foremost, really understand the customer, what they go through from walking in the door, right? I mean, it's, people take it for granted. And I always try to keep people grounded that, you know, as simple as this sounds, but like people don't even know if they could bring out to bring their own water to the gym. If you've never done it before, how would you know that? If you can't go to a restaurant and bring your own cocktails and you can't, you know, it's like, yeah, even something like that, do they bring their lock or do you buy a lock? What can you use there? I mean, it's like something as simple as that is intimidating. And, you know, they don't really know. They've never been in a club in their life and understand the customer, what they go through. And how many times do people pull in the parking lot and say, okay, today's the day I'm going to do this and get scared to death and drive back out? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, who knows? I know it happens. You know, it has to. You know? So how do you really make sure that people are greeted and, and treated with respect and they're accepted regardless of their fitness abilities, you know? So, and then, you know, started from the front desk, became a personal trainer for a while and became a manager of one of the stores and a regional manager of the three stores. We opened the third one. And, and then, so it really allowed me to understand the, not only the member, but also what the staff goes through. Right. And the cleaning is cleaning. It's, it's a lot of other things I'd rather be doing, but <laughs> you got to yeah. make sure that you build the club right so that it, it's easy and it's seamless and, and things are readily available to make sure that it, it stays stays up on, you know. And in 2003, we opened our, our fifth store in Manchester, New Hampshire and, and launched franchising at that point. And I had been there 10 years. So I've been there from 93 to 2003 and kind of wrote all the manuals and all the operations stuff for how to run the stores. And um, that's when they gave me, you know, forever grateful. They gave me third sweat equity in the business. Yeah. Equity in the company, launched the franchising company. And then really what happened was, honestly, is, you know, being in New Hampshire, so rural, like I mentioned, we had to get really good at catering to the masses and how to market them off the couch. And so when franchisees took this model and put it in more populated areas around the country, it just went crazy. It was just, it blew up. You became chief operating officer, right? You'll say 10 years after you joined the gym or started there, 2003. You basically did everything. Built the, it sounds like, from building the entire business, from customer experience, all of the operations. It's pretty incredible. You must have known and, and still do everything inside out. But what was it where you finally said, hey, you know, let's turn this into a franchise? And, and how did that come about? Yeah, you know, we, we realized we were onto something. And, you know, we were doing volumes of members that, like, the industry had never seen before. And it was interesting because our first franchisee happened to be a treadmill salesman. And he was a Northeast rep for a life fitness at the time. So he would see, he would see everybody's membership numbers and revenue from, cause he had financed it to cardio, you know? And when we started franchising, he was like, I'm the first one. Cause he goes, you guys, he couldn't tell us what everybody else was, but you guys, you guys, you guys are even the same ballpark as everybody else. So we knew we were onto something, but we really didn't have the capital to grow it as fast as we really wanted to. And, and, you know, it's really, it's really something to, to, to be able to, to run a business that's catered to some, you know, one is his health, right. And given people who otherwise wouldn't have access to fitness, whether it's price or intimidation. So I really thought we were onto something and thought we had to make sure we could get this brand in more places faster. And we didn't have the cash to do it. So we figured we'd franchise it, you know, and a little bit, you know, honestly, a little bit by mistake, you know, we didn't realize really 
because we got rid of like all the moving parts and pieces of most gyms, right? Pools and saunas and jacuzzis and daycare and juice bars and pro shops. And now finding a franchisee that keep a place really clean and keep it judgment-free and market it, that the customer's experience would always be the same. And, you know, we don't have to find a franchisee that can not only run a gym, but run a daycare and run a juice bar and run aquatics and run all this other stuff. So, you know, it was by accident, but we created a model that was really, I hate to say um, replicatable, but replicatable and consistent without having all the moving parts and pieces that you can really disappoint members, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of funny, like you think service, well, okay, we have to have a juice bar, you're going to have daycare, you're going to have a towel service, and you're going to have a, well, guess what? At 5 a.m., somebody goes to take a shower and the linen truck didn't show up, that person's going to be awfully mad. They can't take a shower, there's no towels, right? Oh, yeah. So bring your own. And we can't ever make a mistake because it's bring your own towel, you know? So something as simple as that is really how you build brand consistency. And franchising is it makes it a little bit more difficult across the entire country, you know, and now in five countries as well. To our customers, I say I always wanted to be like the Big Mac. It's always the same, every place you go, no matter what, you know, and that's what's really consistent with our product. Yeah. Were there big challenges for you? Do you recall, especially, I'm sure still even today, but as you were bringing on franchises, you know, across the country, yeah. how was that for you? Per- yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. can only imagine. So- uh, I mean, what that was like, yeah, I mean, in the early days, you know, can you imagine we're, we're franchising. So people are weighing franchise opportunities and it's okay. you got, you know, you got Subway and you have McDonald's and it's usually QSR for the most part, but you have Jiffy Lube and some other ones out there. And you want me to get in the gym business, which no one really made money back then. And you're going to make me charge $10 a month. <laughs> How's that going to work? <laughs> right. So, you know, we had to give the farm away in some of the early franchise agreements as far as royalties and stuff to get people to come on board. But the hardest thing really, though, was back to why I decided to work at the gym in the first place. I love to work out. And naturally, some of our first, you know, naturally, a lot of our first franchisees were people who love to work out. Right. Well, they were former gym owners or current gym owners that had a failing brand, either their own brand or another, another franchise. And they had done it for 20 years, honestly. And, you know, out of the first probably 100 locations, 75 were, were other brands that come on board. Right. They had nothing to lose, kind of like us in the early days. Like, well, I've been doing this for 20 years and it ain't working. So I might as well give it a shot. But now you had to say, you know, I know you like the 120 pound dumbbells, but get them out. Right. <laughs> and I'm right. Really like this. I know you like going to bench press competitions, but get the benches out, you know? So you had, a, you had to really get them to buy in. And some of the early guys didn't buy in, and some really did buy in, you know? And, you know, we have some early franchisees that came to us with one, two, three stores that had done it for 20 years and, you know, they're still in the system today with a hundred stores. Yeah. And you know, 20 years later, they've, you know, they've just really, really capitalized on a business that worked for them. So, so yeah, the early franchising was, was hard because it was people love to work out where today people come on board. Now they're really looking at as an investment. Yeah. Right? Regardless if they work out or not, they look at investment, get to other opportunities. Um, and we really don't bring in as far as domestically, for the most part, we just grow with the existing franchisees. I mean, there's been some consolidation over the years. We have about 120 groups that make up the, the 2000 stores in the US, let's say. So they're all multi-store operators. They're very sophisticated. They know the playbook. You know, I'm not teaching them how to clean treadmill anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? They know how to do it, know how to market their stores and and honestly, that's what got us through COVID, to tell the truth, is we had a really strong franchise base that had done it for many years, very well capitalized. And, you know, but again, remember, these were a franchisee that came on board. They put, you know, cash in a 401k, took a home equity loan, they built one store. Maybe I'll have two one day. Now they have 50 or 100. And, wow. you know, and, and they have as many, you know, their success stories are, are as good as mine. I mean, we listen to, you know, what they came from as well. And, and most of them are still here with us today. It's been great. More from our guests, but first, a word from our sponsors. 
Turning off work can mean turning on everything else in your life. Whether you're a busy parent, juggling your kids' activities, or trying to plan a wedding, work doesn't stop when you log off for the day. That's why Notion makes it easy to toggle between your work and personal to-dos. Notion is an all-in-one team collaboration tool that combines note-taking, document sharing, wikis, project management, and more into one space that's simple, powerful, and beautifully designed. Notion's customizable workplace can be tailored to realize any workplace OKRs or major life events. And if that wasn't enough, Notion also has a worldwide network of millions of users constantly creating templates, tutorials, and inspiration. It's a tool that's getting better all the time. And while Notion will make you more efficient and productive at work, what really sets Notion apart is that it seamlessly transitions from a workplace power tool into a game changer for your personal life. If you're dreaming, working, planning, or building at work or at home, Notion is the collaboration tool that you need. You can get started for free at Notion.com. That's Notion.com to start today for free. That's Notion.com to take the first step toward organized, productive work and life today. And our next sponsor. As business leaders, our time is pulled in a lot of different directions. Maybe it's managing emails or organizing your calendar or even following up on projects. Saying no to those tasks could help you actually reclaim an average of 15 hours every week to say yes to the things you love. It's time to focus on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. Belay has been helping busy leaders with their staffing solutions for over a decade. Belay intentionally pairs clients with virtual assistants, accounting, and more. Great leaders don't do anything alone. Find the support you need to delegate the details with Belay. Get the right help now with a virtual assistant from Belay. Text HSH to 55123 to get $300 off your startup fee for a virtual assistance when you schedule a call before August 31st. That's HSH to 55123 to save $300 and reclaim 15 hours every week. And we're back. You know, 2,300 stores, it's incredible. Obviously now public business, you're, as we talked about, feeling proud about that. One day you might sitting down at the beach, but is there anything aside from growing this operation, building this business, are there, aside from the number of locations, are there other things you really feel proud about yourself for what you've accomplished or what you've done? I think a few things. I'd say one is, I have two customers. I have my members and I have my franchises. And I always say, you know, for one customer, I provide health and one, I provide wealth. And, you know, see these people that are independently wealthy and they've set their families up nicely based on a great business model and 16 and a half million members. I mean, think about that. If we were a state in the US, there's only like four states that have more population than we have. And if we didn't disrupt the, the industry like we did, there'd be a, most of us would still be on the couch. I truly believe that. So, and at 10 bucks a month, and, you know, we, we go in all neighborhoods. 25, almost 25% of our stores are in, are in what the government deems as low income. You know, they, in a lot of our industry turns their noses up to those neighborhoods and I'd be bored yeah. to go, you know? So that, that's really rewarding. The Gen Z population coming in, we just did a high school summer pass program. 
we launched it in 2019. We had almost a million kids in that one summer sign up, all high school age. We relaunched it. Now COVID's finally behind us, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, we launched it this year. We had over over triple that, over 3 million kids. We had fifth, so we had 15%. This is unbelievable. We had 15% of every high school kid in the country working on a plant this summer. Wow. Yeah, it, it's crazy. The thing is, it's funny because you, you look at, at my age or our age, it's like you, people look at younger generations that they're on their phones and devices, they're on the couch and and they're not. And the Gen yeah. Z population is joining. Gen Z population is joining. So the Gen Zs are from about seven years old to sort of 24. And pre-COVID, there were 5.5% penetration of all Gen Zs in the country. Members post-COVID, 9%. It's almost doubled in a matter of three years. There, it's taken off. And through COVID, what's interesting is you look at who it affected the most is people who were overweight or obese, didn't take care of their health. And you would have thought coming out of COVID that the older generations, boomers and exes like myself, would have been the one that said, geez, I better... I'm going to hurry up and pick, up, pick myself up and get off the couch. And it's a Gen Z's population who learned, who learned. And said, yeah. we got to, and now with mental health and, and, and physical health being, being the brunt of that. So it's proud to see them really gravitating. And, and millennials kicked it off because they're, they're right up there too. But the Gen Z's are, are propelled even faster. It's really, yeah. and Gen yeah. Alpha's after that. So they'll, they'll learn from their, either their parents or their older siblings that I'm going to yeah. follow in your footsteps, which is great. Yeah. Rewarding. So true. I remember, you know, I, I think back because I've been working out since high school back in the 80s. And, you know, I had friends at the time like, what are you doing? Why are you working? Like, the, yeah, right. yeah. and these millennials, what I noticed when I'd start working out, you know, they were just started off into fitness. And, and obviously now after COVID, you can see people understanding they need to take care of themselves. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure that has been good for you. But first, I do want to ask you, when COVID really started and happened, what was going through your mind? Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you put your whole life on the line for 20, that point, about 27 years to build an unbelievable business, publicly traded, and to have it all ripped off Monday and overnight, literally one night, all gone, you know, doing four or five billion dollars of revenue to zero. I mean, it was just, you didn't know, you know, what's going to come out of this, you know? And then, you know, we band together with the franchisees and just made a pact. That you know we closed with two thousand stores. We're gonna open with two thousand stores. We come out of this thing, and and then you know, luckily we navigated really well with the landlords and the lenders, with the franchisees. Uh, they played a big part in like come up with our protocols of how we're gonna reopen, how we're gonna make people feel safe, how we're gonna get government officials to be sure that it's good, it's okay to do this, you know, and and we got social distancing and. And we can limit, you know, occupancy when we had to, you know. So in a couple months later, you know, Florida opened up. It was like 60 days for there where California was, was a year or so. And then you started to see the hope started to come back, you know. So I say, okay, we, we made it through this. We're going to get through this. And then you started to see, we started to see more of the industry close around us permanently. And, you know, I think our strong franchisees, our strong business model and financial model lent us to weather the storm better than anyone. We didn't lose a single store because of COVID. Wow. Um, 25% of the industry is closed forever. So we basically, the industry went from 40,000 stores to 30,000 stores overnight, basically about 10 years of growth gone. So then we said, okay, well, we hang in there and stick it out. We'll be as painful as this was to go through. I never do it again. We'll be better on the other side of it. And people will pay attention to their health more coming out of this, realizing what we just talked about, um, with less competition. And and here we are today. And, you know, it was, it was I mean, super painful, some stressful days. It was just, I mean, I didn't even, I love the work, right? I didn't even have a home office. I didn't even own a laptop. Uh, so overnight I'm at home, like, I need a laptop. I need a desk. I need, like, it's just like, how's this going to work, you know? And it, 
it was like, you know, overnight it was, it was something else, but you know, here we are now. And, you know, I, I couldn't be happy with how we weathered the storm, how the business is performing. I think the future is brighter than ever. I think it's, um, I think our best years are, are yet to come on us. Yeah. You know, um, funny enough, I was at the gym, I'm looking up and, uh, I see you being interviewed. I think it was last week by, uh, Kramer. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. for your, uh, Q2 results. Can you tell us, uh, just where the business and how it's doing today? I think you just reported. Yeah. Yeah. We have uh, 16 and a half million members, um, all time high, 2,300 locations. Second quarter, we had 13.6% same store sales, which is, which is unbelievable, right? Yeah. We're going to open up about 170 stores this year new. So yeah, I mean, things are, things are good. We have 120 franchisees on top of the 2,300 open in committed units. We sell area development agreements. So people buy a county or a state, whatever. Uh, on top of the 2,300 open, we have over a thousand that are already sold and committed with the franchisees to build over the next few years. So, you know, every year we'll keep opening, you know, 200 give or take stores. And, you know, our, our U.S. potential is 4,000. Now that's pre-COVID. I strongly believe based on the tailwinds of people's awareness of wellness, how I think is higher. Yeah. Totally. And industry consolidation, I mean, I, I beg to differ. The 4,000 is probably the floor, not the ceiling any longer. We just signed New Zealand recently. So first we'll, we'll open nearly the later this year and next. Um, Australia, we started opening stores two months before COVID. So that's back open about nine or 10. They're doing phenomenal. But, you know, in, in those countries or even especially South America, was those those stores were phenomenal. And Mexico and Panama is that in the U.S., where U.S. has the highest penetration, with 20% of the U.S. has a gym membership. Which is you know, it's high it's as high as the world, but it's actually extremely low, which is the crux of why COVID hurts everybody so bad. But ninety percent of the deaths in the world were the most obese countries in the world. So yeah. we know where US sits. But like places like Mexico, only two percent of the population is a gym membership. It's amazing. So there's just no access, right? And yeah, and and, and, and we're the highest. I think Australia is like fifteen percent as of gym membership. So there's just so much opportunity. It's funny, it's a weird comparison. But I almost compare it to like cell phone industry in the 90s. No one had a cell phone. You and now everybody has one or two. Right? And it's like, so you know, we're selling a product to people that like there's just so much opportunity to just give it to them and put it in their hand for the very first time. I don't even care what the competition is. I look like we're selling pizza, they're selling burgers. I'm doing something totally different, going out to first timers. And there's a lot of great brands out there. Like the the you, know, you talk about the, you have the F45s, you got the you got the CrossFit, you got the Orange Theories, you got the Equinox. No, they're all great. Don't get me wrong, but they're also catering all the same person. Yeah. You know, so, so if you think about 2018 and 2019, Planet Fitness accounted for more than 100% of member growth in the industry. And the industry added like I think it was like uh, like, like 1,800 locations, and we were only like we were only like 400 of those. So they keep opening more brands, but they're not getting new people off the couch. Yeah. And that's what we're doing. And it's like, I think for like eight, eight years before COVID, we accounted for like 85% of member growth in the industry. So it just, it's such a, it's such, that's what I mean. There's so much opportunity and COVID just made it even better. I really yeah, I think so. I mean, I know so. And, and just, I love it from always being into wellness and health and fitness and what you just said, like bringing that to people around the world. I mean, you know what it's done for you exercise. I know just without it, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be served. It, it's, it's been my medicine, right? And, Absolutely. And, and it's to have that feeling that you're bringing this to all these people. I mean, that's incredible. And I wonder, I mean, it's incredible. Like you just talk about it. I work out across the street. It's only because it's across the street. There's an Equinox. It's like 30 bucks or 40 bucks to, for a guest pass. Mm -hmm. And you guys are doing it at $10 a month, which is 
incredible, like to give some of those offerings, but obviously with inflation and as things change or are you committed now to staying at that number? I know it's, it's, yeah. I've yeah, always no. heard that number. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. I just, I said that again, on that Monday the other day with Kramer is that, you know, I think it's with 80% of the population not having a gym membership, raising the price is not the answer to get off the couch. Right. <laughs> it's just, isn't. yeah. And, and I think, I mean, I could be totally wrong, but I think too many businesses, you know, the, the easy, the easy straw to grab is a raise price, as opposed to look at your business internally and say, before we give it to the customer to pay, make them make up for our inefficiencies, let's say, maybe I should look at my own business and say, okay, what am I doing, not doing correctly? Or could I do better to not make, put it to the customer? That's all. Yeah. And, you know, I think 10 bucks a month, that's our go-to price that gets you curious, that gets you off the couch. And, and people come in and like our black card is twenty four ninety nine. And that gives you massage beds, massage chairs, and, and the clubs, the hydro. It gives you access to every location in the country or w- world. It gives you guest privileges. You can bring a friend to work out with you. And so believe it or not, is, is we advertise mostly 10 bucks a month you see on TV or whatever. And 60% of the people choose the black card because it's a better value. When you come in and see all that stuff you get, I mean, but again, you know, you have to see it because a hydro massage bed, no one even knows what that thing is. Right. But now you right. Know, like, why would I not do that? And, For 24 uh, bucks, I mean, it's, it's a, a no-brainer. And it's the same treadmill as Equinox, the same strength equipment. It's not right. I think you don't lack quality. In our locker rooms, I beg it, I beg it is probably it's like walking around four seasons of hotels. Sometimes you get backs with mirrors and granite countertops, tile showers. It's uh this is better than most people's houses in a lot of ways, you know. And for 10 bucks a month, it's just it's it's, it's absurd value, really. It, it's it's amazing. And what's really amazing is the chance you took at that time years ago to go to that model. Cause as I recall going to any gym, even at that time, it was always a hassle. You'd sign up for six months or 12 months. And it was like 99 bucks or a hundred bucks, you know, a month or whatever it might be. And I'm going back 30 some yes. odd years, you know, you're $150 enrollment fee and then 35 bucks a month. <laughs> right. The enrollment fee. The Valley's three-year contracts, like live like over three years and like, well, like, you know, something people, people that fall off the wagon, I get it. If you want to cancel, no harm, no foul. We'll hear when you come back, you know, why, why make yeah. it hard, you know? Yeah. Um, in the little time we have left, I want to ask you just a, a couple quick questions. And, and obviously this is one I have my own thoughts on, but you are definitely the expert. Where do you see the future of fitness? You know, it was so funny during COVID seeing everyone like, on the Peloton bike and, you know, cause you, you didn't have this option. I love gyms. I love community, but do you think it's going to be a hybrid? Do you, do you foresee things changing? I don't, you know, I think home fitness will be second fiddle, the bricks and mortar forever. I mean, the experience, the equipment quality, the equipment variety, the social aspect of it. I mean, I mean, as you can imagine, I have a great gym in my basement. I mean, it's, it has everything commercial. I mean, it's big. And as, if I don't have my son in the morning because he's with his mom, I'm going to my gym down the street. I'm going to my Planet Fitness down the street because five in the morning in my basement by myself is just not fun. <laughs> it's not motivating. Totally, yeah, I get it. And, and not that I talk to really anybody, but just being around you know 30 or 40 other people just exercising and it's a different feeling, different experience. And let's face it, I mean, I mean 80% of the population lives paycheck to paycheck. You know, like, I think half the population lives in apartments. I mean, not everybody has a basement. Or a spare bedroom. You get into a million living room. You got your kids. You got your dogs. It's just like you got to get out of the house. Time for yourself. Mental health. Back to your point. I mean, now working out for me is is all just mental health. It's just make you feel better, right? It makes you sleep better. 
stress relief, go down the list, you know? The waistline thing is that's a byproduct of it. That's the byproduct. That's what happens over you know time of doing it. But I mean, it's medicine to your point. It really is. And I think people are realizing that today. I think Gen Z's have definitely realized it, but it's and that's like in our commercials now. We're trying to feature that benefit, this glow you feel. You know, think about this is I mean, this takes me five in the morning. And there's not a lot of days I, I want to work out. I just know I have to work out. But there's not every not one day do you finish and regret you did it. Never. Oh, never. Mm-mm. Now I drag myself in there and it's sometimes harder than others. And if it wasn't for coffee, I probably would never <laughs> but but you never you never regret that you got up early, you did it, or you, you know, made time for yourself. And I think that's the thing that people gotta realize and let the waistline or or whatever. That's that's the byproduct of it. Yeah. How many days a week are you working out uh now? I'm uh I'm about six or seven. That's awesome. Some days longer, some days I don't, you know, I just do something. Sometimes yeah. it's longer, but shorter. Sometimes it's sweat. a bit of cardio, a little bike or or something. But because I tell you, you know, one day leads to four days, four days leads to four weeks. Next thing you know, it's been four months. <laughs> you know? But you know, starting off though, again, what people I think to realize, I think a lot of people don't start working out as they think you have to work out six, seven days a week. And you don't. If you've right. never done it before, you haven't done it in months, if you can go, this studies, you can go 10 minutes once a week, you're better off. I mean, believe it or not. So one or two days a week and you haven't done anything, this is like game changer. So people got, I think too many people like crash dieting as you go so extreme. So far after the after game, yeah. that you just dread going and you stop going. I think people just, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of crawl, walk, run. Yeah. Well, Chris, we appreciate you coming on. I mean, it just seems like you have a ton of runway to really help the world. And especially it's so incredible. I never would have guessed going into COVID you know, and the whole thing coming out, it would have been so good for your industry because at least now people are, are focused on their health. And yeah. uh, I'm glad you're bringing fitness to the world. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, you got it. All right. Thanks again. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for your time. And that's our episode. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to How Success Happens wherever you get your podcasts. We come out with a new episode every Wednesday morning and you don't want to miss it. And if you like to share, please feel free to pass along the show to an entrepreneur friend who could use a boost, and I could always use the subscribers. And do you have ideas for guests? I always love to hear about great entrepreneurs. If you know anyone, shoot me an email at hsh at entrepreneur.com or on Twitter at Robert Tuckman. that's R-O-B-E-R-T-T-U-C-H-M-A-N, or even send me a message on LinkedIn. How Success Happens is a production of Entrepreneur Media. Be sure to visit entrepreneur.com for insight on building your business, or even better yet, subscribe to our magazine. No joke, I found my first job after reading about a company in Entrepreneur Magazine back in the 1990s. It's always been my absolute favorite magazine for entrepreneurs. Thanks for listening and spending some time with me today. Until next time, my name is Robert Tuckman, just a fellow entrepreneur and your host. See you soon.